Good evening friends and welcome to Think Out Loud podcast. Thinking Out Loud, Shaping Your Destiny. I'm your host, Public Moseki, and this is season 8. We're talking about cognitive biases and um, this is episode number 3. We are doing part 2 of the common types of uh, cognitive biases that we have out there. Of course, it's not all of them. We just decided to take a few of them and discuss them in light of uh, the biblical point of view. Welcome. Last week we did look at the types of uh, cognitive biases that we have out there and uh, we did discuss confirmation bias, we did discuss um, anchoring bias, we also discussed in-group bias as well as fundamental attribution error or what is uh, commonly called the the actor-observer bias. So those are the types of biases or cognitive biases that we looked at in the previous episode, episode number two. Now we are on episode number three. And what we are going to look at today, um, just a few of them, uh, them cognitive biases. We have hindsight bias. Uh, You also have what we call the halo effect bias. Uh, We also have the sunk cost law. Uh, the, the sunk cost fallacy rather the sunk cost fallacy um it's another a form of bias that is out there but it's also a, a logical fallacy which we'll talk about in the next season and then you have what you call the overconfidence bias so basically that's what we'll be looking at um today now uh, on about hindsight bias this bias refers to our tendency to perceive events as more predictable after they happen i mean it was more like i knew that it would happen i knew from the onset that this is what will happen and you only say it after it happens so that's what we refer to as a hindsight bias now what does the bible have to say about that it leads us chapter 3 verse 10 verse 11 says i've seen the task which god has given to the sons of men with which to occupy themselves he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. He has also planted eternity in the human heart. Yet men cannot find out what God has done, his overall plan, from the beginning to the end. So here we are told by the Bible that men cannot find out God's overall plan from the beginning to the end. You can't really put yourself in a place where you say, well, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew it all along. No, you only know it because it has happened. Um, because God hasn't, you know, given or hasn't um, opened that to you. So things that are hidden, um, they belong unto God. And things that are revealed, they belong unto us. That's what you see in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. So um, what is this verse really saying? What is it all about? It's when you look back and say, I knew this was going to happen. That's what I've been saying um, from the beginning. Uh, even though we didn't know, the surprising thing is that we will say that we knew that it was going to happen even though we didn't know. Um, it's thinking that past events are more predictable 
than they really are. Now, so the core of the illusion is that we believe we understand the past, which implies that the future should be knowable, but in fact we understand the past less than we believe we do. So that's really the the, the, the core of the illusion, the core of the um you know of the bias basically that we believe that we understand the past fully and perfectly and therefore we can actually make assumptions for the future but the fact of the matter is that we understand the past less than we um, actually believe that we do and then talk about the halo effect what is the halo effect uh, this bias refers to our tendency to allow our impressions of others in one area to influence our overall impression um, and you know this is usually the case when someone wants a, a life partner you know they look at this person is beautiful or this person is handsome you know I, I like um, uh, how they look basically I like how they dress maybe how they smile uh, how they smell and such things yes those are important things but don't just make judgment from one thing and say well because of this this person then is good there's nothing wrong with this person uh, it's more like judging the book by its cover in other ways you know uh, we can put it uh, that way now what does the bible have to say about this kind of bias the halo effect first samuel chapter 16 verse 7 now what is happening in first samuel chapter 16 god has sent samuel the prophet to go and anoint one of the sons of jesse to be king so samuel goes to jesse calls um tells him that look you know what i where are your sons i need one of them to go and make a sacrifice with the lord has told me that i should come to this house so um now this is what happened what happened is that samuel Henry looked upon a certain young man there um he said well this guy he looks noble he looks like he could make a king and basically this was more of uh, the experience that he had with 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 Saul Saul was someone who stood above the crowd um shoulders above the crowd and um he looked fitted the description of a king according to Samuel so what did the Lord say to Samuel when he actually made this judgment that no this one he looks kingly he looks noble um, and because of his looks, I'm going to anoint him. Uh, the Bible says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as men sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, halo effect previously, then, you know, you place yourself in a position where you are not a good um, or a better uh, or a, a fair um, judge of character so that's where the problem is so this this is a specific cognitive bias in which one aspect of a person um, or a brand or a product or an institution affects one thoughts one's thoughts of one's thoughts of, of that particular um, entity or the judgment of the entity um, uh, the judgment of the entity's other aspects or dimensions, you know, because they have a very nice message, uh, therefore everything about them is nice, even the administration is good, or because they have a good administration, therefore everything else that they do, even what they teach, even what they have to offer is very good, just judging from the administration, um, you know, 
and just because this guy looks good um he smells nice then he must be a good guy because this girl is beautiful she's pretty and all she knows how to dress then she is a nice person she is a good person that's the problem that we usually make or that's the mistake that you usually make and that's where the problem is so in other words one trait of a person or a thing is used to make an overall judgment of that person or thing now god sees not as men sees he judges not from appearances that's what we read in first samuel 16 verse 7 he searches the heart and judges righteously so there we see that um we should uh, strive more to have a, an overall view um a 360 view 360 degree view of uh, either the entity um you know that entity could be a person it could be uh, an institution it could be a product or a brand before we can actually say well um this are my thoughts about this and this is how i find them this is a good person this is a good um brand this is a good institution uh, this is a, a a a good company you know whatever the entity may be or whoever the entity may be so uh that's the halo effect it's like you know um just this one thing good thing about them makes them holy and all sanctified while you have not really searched out other aspects of their lives and uh, this kind of bias leads to a disappointment because now you get into a relationship with an entity believing that um you are going to get the best out of it get the best deal out of it you're going to get happiness out of it um but then you meet other things that don't really fit the picture that impressed you from the beginning and it can lead to um a, a bitter ending of relationships in in the case of human relations could lead to you know divorce uh, that's the worst kind um of any relationship and then um it could also lead to things like you know um friendships just dissolving or um abandoning a, a, a company or a brand whatever the case may be you know losing sponsors for those who are brands and stuff like that um so that's that's how the halo effect works and those are the um the consequences of allowing it to 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 be the controlling um principle or to be the controlling thing in our lives now we look at sunk cost fallacy sunk cost fallacy this logical fallacy refers to a tendency to continue a behavior because of previously invested resources um yeah it's more of a logical fallacy than a, a bias but it, it has certain behaviors or certain aspects of a bias now in the book of Luke chapter 9 I'm going biblical now in the book of Luke chapter 9 uh Jesus gives some examples of the sunk cost fallacy in regard to discipleship when you get chapter 9 of Luke verse 57 to verse 58 um you read of a man um you know who had something um that he didn't want to lose uh in order to follow Jesus and um i want us to read Luke chapter 9 verse 57 and verse 58 Luke chapter 9 verse 57 and verse 58 so it's a very interesting read and here we 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 see how Christ addresses at this thing that we call um sunk cost fallacy Luke chapter 
and we are looking at uh, verse 57 and verse 58 we we'll actually read even the ones that come after that Luke chapter 9 verse 57 it reads thus um, it says for the son of man is not Verse 57 actually, not 58, sorry. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. So this man says that, no, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus tells him, look, you know what? Um, yeah, well, that's a good commitment, but know that... Um, I don't have um, any way to lay my hand, my head rather. Um, animals have way to lay their head, but as for me, I don't. So know that if you follow me, then you will be homeless as well. You'll be as I am, with no place to lay your head, no place that you can call your own. So this man may have been unwilling to lose the investment he had in a home in order to follow Jesus. Um, this is just basically... Um, what we can extrapolate from, 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 from the reading. And then verse 59 and verse 60 says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. So this man was apparently willing to lose what he had invested in his relationship with his father and his family or his tenure in society in order to follow Jesus. So they, he valued his standing in society, he valued um, the relationship that he had with his dead father and the rest of his family. Um, he sacrificed all those things. Um, rather, he saw that to sacrifice those things would be too much of a cost. So um, he chose to remain and, and you know, bury the dead and to remain with his family and to maintain his standing in society. At the expense at the expense of following jesus and then 61 verse uh, that's verse 61 verse 62 of um luke chapter 9 uh, 61 it says and another also said lord i will follow thee but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house verse 62 and jesus said unto him no man no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this man was also unwilling to abandon the time and energy he had invested in relationships in order to follow Jesus. And that is sometimes our experience. Most of the time we have this experience where we're like, I spent so, so much time on this, I've invested so much on this that you know, I just can't let it go. Um, I, I've spent so much money on this thing that I just can't give it away. I spent so much money in this relationship that you know I can't really tolerate or allow her to break up with me and in that case it can end up in what is called passion killing so you can see that sunk cost fallacy is very logical um, it's a bias that should be avoided overconfidence bias which was our last um, in the in the presentation or in the discussion rather the, the last one in the discussion and this one you hold a false idea about your level of talent um, about your level of intellect or skills it, it can be quite a dangerous bias that can have 
disastrous consequences in some scenarios. And um, there is one president, um, one African president, who had this kind of bias, overconfidence bias, you know, um, the late Idi Amini of Uganda, or the Republic of Uganda. Uh, when you really uh, look into history, you know, read about him, um, about what he said about himself, uh, his speeches and all that, you can see that it, this was someone who had overconfidence bias. He believed himself to be a genius um, above all geniuses. He believed himself to be, um, you know, um, he had many titles, by the way, that actually showed that he had this overconfidence um, in uh, the amount of level or the level of talent or the intellect or the skills that he had, basically. So uh, that's one person that comes to mind when you talk about overconfidence bias. Now, what does the Bible have to say about overconfidence bias or overconfidence, rather? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, Therefore, let him who who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So don't think that you are strong. Don't think that you are standing on your own two feet by your own strength. No, don't think that way because once you entertain that thought, then you will fall. And uh, that's actually what you see in the book of Genesis. They trusted in their own intellect. They trusted in their own maturity um, and, and strength. But uh, they fell instead of rising. So when one gets to the place where he's so confident of his maturity and so confident of his strength that he thinks he can handle anything, he's really in a very precarious um, position. So self-confidence leads to neglect of watchfulness and of humble penitential prayer. So this basically, uh, as we have described and discussed these uh, biases, these confirmation biases, the remedy is in the definition, especially those ones that basically have biblical um, tone to it. You look at what the Bible says, you look at those texts, you'll see actually that there is a, a couple of texts elsewhere that counter that behavior, that counter that um, character trait to try and correct you. you know, so once you um, find or once you make a resolution that I don't want to be controlled by biases then it the best thing to do is study the bible and implement um, and practicalize its principles so friends welcome uh, we we have come to the end of the episode rather we have come to the end of the episode and um in our next episode which will be next week we'll be now taking things um another notch up uh, still on the cognitive biases and uh, what we'll be looking at in the following week is um, still related to the ones that we talked about. But now we'll be looking more at, at another aspect. I remember what we were just doing now was just to um, briefly discuss them you know, from a biblical point of view. So we'll be looking at how to overcome uh, cognitive biases, how to overcome cognitive biases. And so we'll basically be sharing principles that one can use and also how you can check yourself to make sure that hey, you don't um, end up engaging it. So you must always be on the alert until you master it so much that automatically um, you'll try to uh, diminish diminish. Uh, cognitive biases as much as possible when you engage or when you encounter 
uh, a new piece of information so that's what you'll be looking at next week or in the next episode how to overcome cognitive biases thank you friends for joining us this evening may god richly bless you thinking out loud shaping your destiny